we live in a digital age. Take the watch on your arm, the cell phone in your pocket, or even the show on your TV. Even with the renaissance of vinyl records and Polaroids that they're coming back and are a a fad or a, a thing now, most of your life is now digital. It's on demand. It's at your fingertips. With a click of a button, you can have it. Now contrast that with the analog, the physical, the tactile, embodied reality. And since its earliest days, the Christian church has been marked by its invitation to transcendence and incarnational living. And I'll explain that here in a moment. To be marked by the divine in real and tactile ways. In this series, these next three weeks, as we, as we look at analog, real tactile embodied reality, I want you to experience the analog. Where true human connection and community, driven by empathy, persists. To offer an uncompromising invitation to the kitchen table, to the living room sofa, to the warmth of a gathering or the fun of a neighborhood party. See, with real people, to be transformed in real ways and to be changed in real time and in real space. Because, see, without people encountering the divine together, followership of Jesus isn't possible. We are not able to be formed into Christ-likeness. Becoming like Jesus isn't possible without the embodied reality of Jesus and followers of Jesus following him together. See, I think that's the space that we're truly longing for in our lives, to be together with people on a journey of becoming more like Jesus, where we can have conversations about real and meaningful things, about difficult things, about things that confuse us and perplex us, or things that are even good or that we enjoy, but to be able to ask and to have those questions with real people and do that together as we follow Jesus. Because, see, the digital world is forming us. The church most always must always be physical because of Jesus. And you may be wondering, as I started this, talking a little bit about digital and a little bit about analog, and wondering, is this a referendum on the last year with, you know, us live streaming gatherings and us moving towards Zoom groups and things like that that we've done over the last year? Let me just say no. This series, before I I termed it analog, was actually something else entirely. It was actually going to be titled VHS, which maybe that gives you a little bit of picture of analog. The difference and the contrast between the two. Because maybe some of you remember uh, those old VHS tapes where when you would watch a movie, you had to have actual things like spin the little knobs to move the movie through the film so then you could watch it on your TV. And then you get so frustrated when someone forgot to rewind the VHS and you had to patiently wait that three to five minutes when you stuck it back in and it was at the end and you got to wait. 
to watch your show until it goes rewinds all the way back to the beginning. Some of you may remember that. Others, you're like, I got Netflix. I'm good. Like a push of a button. Start it wherever, however, whenever. So no, this 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 series isn't a referendum on the last year, but it is just a reminder. And in fact, I would even say I want us to be aware of what's just actually shaping us. Because Christians, as followers of Jesus, for those of you in the room, and if you're not a follower of Jesus in the room, here's what I'm inviting you into. To to have real space, to, to connect with real people, and to go on a journey of following Jesus. And that's what it's about, is for us to go do this with others. And we must be aware of what's actually shaping us. Is it Jesus, is it the God of the Bible and of the scriptures, or is it simply our culture? Is it, is it digital technology just influencing us? And to do that, I want to look at Second Peter chapter 1 today. And this is what Peter says in, right in verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything required for life. And that's a beautiful statement right there. Jesus stepping out of heaven and coming to earth. Doing exactly what Charles said earlier, dying on the cross and then being resurrected from the grave. That power that's available to us has given everything we need for life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. See, many times, though, when we think about church or Christianity or following Jesus, we stop right there at that word knowledge. That we think if we can get enough knowledge or attain enough information to know how that we will then be able to craft a godly life. If we just know more, we will be better. We'll find the meaning and purpose. We just need to know more. And it shows up in how we treat others. Because we just look at others at times and go, well, if they just knew, if they just had more information, clearly their behavior would be different. They would change. They would act different. They would treat me different. And so we, we expect... That simply on the basis of attaining knowledge or information, that then transformation will happen. But in fact, Peter continues in verse 4. And he says, by these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. To share. Maybe another word that we could use here is participate. In verse 5, it continues and says, says, make every effort. Peter is writing to a group of churches and to a group of people. And he wants them to continue on the journey, this lifelong response of following Jesus. And he says, the Holy Spirit's power has given us everything for life and godliness. And as we are to share in that. We are to participate in that and make every effort to express it. See, it's not passive, just the reception of information. It's the participation in life with God, with others. I, I, I've joked about this a little bit. I'm standing up here wearing this Reckless Gloves t-shirt. Shout out to our softball team that has their first game today. But see, what's so great, yeah, yeah, we, we can cheer for them a little bit. There, there, go play a little doubleheader. See, Richard, we got your back. We got you, Captain. 
But here's the thing. I know what time they're going to be playing. I know that they're playing. I can even wear the shirt. But you know what's amazing is I'm not even on the team. I can be informed about what they're doing, how they're doing it. I can even know how to play the spade of baseball, but I'm not even going to be participating in today's game. See, what Peter wants the, the churches that he is writing to, to, to understand is to start with information and then to experience that in their life. That's why later on when he talks about make every effort, to remember the transformation that Jesus is bringing in your life because it confirms your calling and election. Remember how he's cleansed you from your past sins so that you can keep on going. He wants you to participate in that and make every effort. See, it's not just enough to be informed, but we are to be transformed. See, knowledge is not enough. And this is really important because even though I, I, I joke about like the softball team and, and playing and, and VHS and, you know, some of you are like, again, like, what is that? And some of you are like laugh, chuckle, because you're like how you're dating yourself a little bit or not dating yourself a whole lot because you can think of the other technology that has involved. What It's really important because of what I come to as technology's unformational trajectory. Technology is unformational because it oftentimes pits knowledge against action. We are living in a technological revolution. Now, I am actually grateful for technology. It's because of this that we're able to live stream. We're able to make connections throughout the week digitally. We can be physically apart and we can connect. We can communicate with each other. I can text my siblings who are back in Ohio. But we have to pay attention to what these technological advancements are doing to us. Specifically, how they affect one's followership of Jesus. Is it participatory or is it passive? Because we're to make every effort to become more and more like the people God has called us to be. So technology, all technology is not just digital. Not just digital technology has in some ways an unformational trajectory. Let me give you an example of what I mean by this. So as we think about the next couple weeks, as I invite you to those analog experiences, we understand how technology is shaping us. Transportation technology. 6,000 years ago, if you wanted to get from point A to point B, you had something called feet. And you went on your own two feet, point A to point B. And it took skill and strength. It took time. It took effort. It took energy to get from point A to point B. Then about 5,500 years ago, someone got the bright idea and said to themselves, oh, there's a horse. Maybe if I jump on the back of it, it'll get me from point A to point B faster. Horse is a type of technology. So someone got the crazy idea, jumped on a horse, and was able to ride it. And then they were able to get from point A to point B faster. Now, anyone who's ridden a horse knows that it takes strength and skill to ride that horse. Fast forward then to the late 1800s where Carl Benz releases the first commercially viable automobile. Now if you looked at this first automobile, it's a big hunk of metal with knobs and levers and wheels and it takes strength and skill to know how to turn uh, the certain wheels and pull certain levers, but you're able to go from point A to point B, point B a little, maybe point V, a little bit 
faster. Jump ahead to the 1930s with the invention of the automatic transmission. Now you don't got to shift gears. Now it's not a big hunk of metal. You hop in a car and you push the gas and the brake and power steering and you go a little better. It takes less strength and skill. Skipping forward a few leaps, fast forward to what's called the computational car. Think of a Tesla. The car does all kinds of things for you. It can turn on with a little key fob. You barely have to touch a steering wheel because it'll get you from point A to point B. It'll go faster and it'll navigate. Fast forward maybe to a couple generations, maybe my kids or maybe my grandkids, where they may look at me and go, why do we even need a driver's license? Because I can just push a few quick buttons on my phone and a car comes right up, picks me up, and gets to where I need to go. It takes less strength and skill to drive a car, and they can scroll aimlessly on Instagram or TikTok as they go from their point A to point B. It be goes from something that was very active and intentional to planning for a journey when you were going to get from point A to point B several thousand years ago now to almost it's a passive activity that just kind of happens. Now, self-driving cars may lead to less accidents, so again, there's a blessing in technology, but it can be problematic when it comes to following Jesus because it unforms the strength and skill required to fully participate in embodied ways. How many times have you told a friend or a loved one, why would I call when I can just text? Why would I show up when I could just FaceTime? Or why would I show up when I can just watch? It's easier. It's convenient. It's passive. It requires less of us to be fully present with people. Now think about how this affects our relationship with God. It starts to affect us being fully present with God. Now here's the good news. God is fully available and accessible to us. He's waiting for us. He loves us. He is present. That, that line of communication is always open. But there are things because of technology, that we just think will automatically happen. Take, the, take some of what Peter says to his church that he's writing to. Faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance. These are active character traits. They require some effort. They require some formation. They don't just happen. So many of us think that just because we're around maybe a family member who's a follower of Jesus, or, or we show up to the church a little bit, that will automatically become more like Jesus. The goal that Peter is writing to is, is he wants the church to recognize it's a lifelong response. God is open. He loves you. He has moved on your behalf. And you can respond to him. And in doing so with others, we can strengthen and leverage our skill and develop that so that we can participate in all that God has for us. See, it's not enough to know how it works. We must have some effort. Now, here's, here's why, as, I think, as we think about technology in the digital age and participating in all that God has for us. Because technology has three key values 
that want to undermine our full participation in the life of Christ. First value is speed. Second value is choice. The third is individualism. Everything is getting faster. The number of choices are constantly increasing. Everything is customized to our personality preferences. You probably have a recommended for you on your Hulu or Netflix or Disney Plus that says based on your viewing history, here is what you should watch. See, everything is customizable. Your, your social media feeds are perfectly tailored to get you to click on things or view things that you like. The problem is that when values that are inherently good, maybe, when these values go unchecked for long enough, when they are not held accountable, they can turn in on themselves and unform us in dangerous ways. Here's what I mean by that. Speed. Quicker, quicker, quicker. Faster, faster, faster. That makes us impatient. How many times have you walked into a, a building and your, wi- and your phone connected to some Wi-Fi and you've tried to pull up an app or something or even maybe your Starbucks app to, to, get, to get some coffee and it just wouldn't load because you connected to the Wi-Fi and you're just so frustrated because it didn't load quick enough. And so you, you, you hit the button to disconnect from Wi-Fi and you walk out. Or maybe it's a laptop when you're trying to do some work and you're getting frustrated. Speed makes us impatient. Maybe it's choice that makes us then shallow. See, an endless array of choices, why would I ever linger for a time over one thing, slow and steady? Why would I do that? Because I could just get a little bit of information and then just move on to something more entertaining or exciting or exhilarating. So choice leads us to being shallow. And then lastly, individualism leads us to being isolated. The stats bear this out. With the rise of technology, loneliness is increasing, increasing as an increasingly, as an increasing rate, an unparalleled rate. Why do I need to take the time to sit down and get to know someone's story? I get an endless array of options. It can be faster, it can be quick, I can be informed. I don't have to really take the time to go deep with anyone. In fact, you know what's so crazy is I've been reading a, a couple different books, and, and Sherry Turkle in Alone Together, she says it takes an average of six to seven minutes for a conversation really to get going. Six to seven minutes. Many of us don't feel like we have six to seven minutes. Let alone, here's the crazy thing, in Cal Newport, in his book, In a World Without Email, the, re- the research he did said that on average... Every person is interrupted one to three times every six minutes. It takes six to seven minutes for conversation to even get going. Yet we're constantly interrupted every six minutes with an email, with a ding on our phone, with a distraction, the the ability to scroll. I mean, you've seen that. You've felt that. And the lulls in conversation, the temptation is to pull out the phone or maybe scroll or not quite sure how to handle that awkwardness. Because oftentimes we're impatient, we're shallow, we're isolated. So the desire there is to connect with other people, but we just simply don't always know how. And here's what the beauty of what Jesus does. He shows us how. 
We are, have everything we need for life and godliness to be formed, to experience and express our followership of him. And he shows us what it's like to truly be human. In those moments, he has given us the power to be a little more patient, to ask a question of someone that maybe takes us a little bit deeper. How are you growing spiritually? What are your challenges, fears, hopes, and dreams? And maybe even give us the ability to say, hey, I'm going to set up a lunch or a dinner or a coffee so we can take some time so that you don't feel alone. I remember talking to someone the other day, and I said, uh, and they said, where are you going? I'm going to go stop by someone's house. And they're like, you're just going to stop by without calling and texting? And it's like, yes, we have the ability the personal capacity to connect with others. And I think our followership of Jesus absolutely demands it. We must participate and make every effort. Why? Because of Jesus. Because he didn't leave us at a distance. He didn't say, let me tell you how it's, what it's like to be human. Let me tell you what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Let me tell you this. No, he stepped out of heaven and showed us what it looks like to love others, to care well. And so we must have intentional practices to subvert the unformational way of technology. And the church has always led out in this, to zig at times when the world zags, to have some sort of creative and prophetic resistance, to stand in opposition to the digital age, to lean into analog opportunities to gather when the world scatters, to slow down when the world speeds up, to commune when the world critiques, to be present, fully present with God and with others. Which may mean you've got to put down the phone and lift up your eyes. You've got to be willing to embrace a little bit of awkwardness and exercise some of that endurance, some of that patience in the conversation to supplement your faith with goodness, and goodness with knowledge and knowledge, self-control, and self-control with endurance. Because when you start to exercise these things, Peter says, hey, don't lack these things because we've forgotten the cleansing from our passing sins because that's what Jesus has done for us. So we must make every effort to express that every day in everyday ways. So my encouragement my pr- to you as we go on this journey the next couple weeks, my plea is to show up. Show up in the flesh. Show up with real people. Pick up the phone, set an appointment, make a call. Reach out to someone. But also, rec- remember and recognize that Jesus has been fully present with us. We should be f- learn to be fully present with him because it's only through his power and his spirit taking some time. Don't be interrupted quite so often every six minutes. Remember, it might take six or seven minutes to get the conversation going with God. might not be easy or something that you're quite used to. Embrace a little bit of that awkwardness and watch how the formation of the Holy Spirit through the word with God, with others, begins to bring the transformation that I think we also desperately desire. That we can have patient 
deep communal experience with God and with others because of Jesus and what he has done for us. And so right now, John's going to come up and facilitate us through a time of response. And I would just invite you, this is why we do communion each and every week, is to remember who Jesus is, what he has done for us, and how that compels us to be patient people who are growing in depth and doing it with others each and every day. I hope you're excited to go on this journey of what it looks like to be analog in this digital age, to be present with each other and present with Jesus. Let me pray. God, you are good. I thank you for that. I thank you that we have an opportunity to remember this time. God, I, I pray that we, as we gather, as we look at Scripture, as we think about our worship and our mission, God, that we, that we just take some time to be patient with ourselves as you have been patient with us, and that we are patient with others as you have been patient with us. Thank you for Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen.